0: Are you ready for some scolding hot takes? Talking Vikings with Dane Mizutani and Chase Frederick. This is Inside Purple and Gold. Hey, welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. Chase Frederick, Dane Mizutani here. Sunday night commemorating a convincing Vikings victory over Green Bay. Minnesota 23-7 over the Packers. Day, not only was it a win. Um, I know you were predicting a win ahead of time. I was not, but this was dominant in a lot of different ways, and we'll get to those ways um, as we break the entire game down in this podcast. But maybe just initially, now that you you went down, you did the interviews, sat through the press conferences, have had time to digest it all. What's like the biggest thing that popped out from you uh, on on this Sunday afternoon at, at U.S. Bank Stadium?
1: yeah I think the biggest thing that stood out is just like how different this this actually feels now. I think we we talked a little bit about it in our preview it you didn't know what you were gonna expect on Sunday. You really didn't know what you were gonna see. It felt like people were kind of operating on hope for a good majority of this off season, especially in training camp. Um, no preseason very minimal reps for, for guys in practice. So like you didn't know, and, but now you do. Yeah. Like it feels different and it did from the very first drive of the game. Um, It feels different, you know, watching just the way they're utilizing Justin Jefferson. It feels different, you know, watching them go for fourth down, go for it on fourth down on the opening drive, use that jet motion to get him open. It feels different watching Kirk cousins step up in the pocket and be willing to take shots it felt different with with Daniel Hunter and, and Darius Smith coming off the edge like it just feels different. And that's the biggest takeaway. And I think you can see that, you know, on the field. But then obviously in the locker room after the game, like just watching how how, how these guys are interacting. It's a looser bunch. Um, you didn't really know what to expect, but I think you do now. Um, and then this team could be pretty dangerous, I think.
0: Yeah. And it started right away, as you mentioned, with that opening drive, Minnesota drives down the field and, and Kirk Cousins hits Justin Jefferson for the first of two touchdowns between the two. And I try not to look too much at like opening drive success because we've seen it many times, um, with a lot of teams, the NFL, Hey, the first drive is great. That's the one that you scripted. Um, you had everything planned out. Uh, that ideally is the one where, you know, you're probably working on that in the week leading up to the game. Um, so the first drive looks good. And then we've seen offenses stall out, uh, we've seen past seasons, Minnesota do that. that, that NFC title game in Philadelphia. Somebody brought it up on Twitter. Perfect example. Like it can all go awry from there, but I think even from that first drive, you talked about that Justin Jefferson touchdown play where they use the jet motion to get him open. And even, Prior to that, uh, the play they used to get Adam Thielen open where he's motioning across and then he's coming right back across the field. Just the amount of times that they went to the crossing routes and, and the different levels at which the guys crossed and it created havoc in the Green Bay secondary all day. But it was just the designs, I think, for me was like, oh, OK, like I see some creativity here. It's a dynamic passing game. It's not even one that requires like the deep shot 50 yards downfield, but it is like 20 yards down across the field. uh, getting guys in space, getting Justin Jefferson in space on favorable matchups, like, it all looked very Ramsey from the very beginning, um, and it, it played out that way. Certainly, like, there were little lulls, The Green Bay defense, even as it tended to lose a few guys throughout the game. Like, it's a good defense, but Minnesota exploited it, and I just thought, like, from the very beginning of the game, to me, it felt like the Kevin O'Connell show offensively, and I, I think that's a really good thing for Vikings fans. For sure,
1: and, and I think – you talked about the, the motions and the the play designed. And I think if you're watching to yourself at home and, and certainly in the press box, we were thinking the same thing at U S bank stadium. Like how is Justin Jefferson so open? But if you watch the Rams last year, like Cooper cup was always open. And, and I get it. Some of that has to do with the fact that these guys are incredible route runners can break guys down at the point of attack. But a lot of that is scheme. A lot of that is, is watching and waiting for a play to develop or, or designing a, a play where one guy's crossing over this defender's face and he loses track of him. I mean, you saw those two deep overs, especially with with Justin Jefferson. One went for 64 yards and almost a touchdown. One went for, I think, 36 yards and a touchdown. Both the times when he caught the ball, there was like no one within 10, 15 yards of him. And that comes down to play design. And I think that's something we're going to see more of now when you look at, you know, what this offense can do. Um, sure. Can can Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne, all those guys win at the point of attack? Yes. But now they have an offensive guy in Kevin O'Connell that's going to get them open. That's going to help them a lot of the times. So I think last year you saw Justin Jefferson, and Adam Thielen in particular, sometimes succeed in spite of Mike Zimmer. Like, you know, we're going to just win because we're better than this defender or better than that defender. Well, now it seems like the head coach is going to help these guys kind of get to this next level, whatever that looks like. Um, and I think you, you started to see that, you know, in the early stages of week one. And, and I think there's more to this playbook and more wrinkles that we're going to see. But, but all of it, I think, designed to, to get these guys open in space.
0: Justin jefferson I'm, I'm sure everybody knows the stat line by now but nine catches 184 yards two touchdowns mm-hmm. frankly he left a touchdown on the table uh where he didn't wasn't able to get the the second toe down and he probably if he gets that play 10 times he's getting it down eight i think uh and it didn't happen there but a phenomenal day and like he exploded in the first half the most first half yards in franchise history like Green Bay did a little bit better job on him um, in the second half. They lost him fewer times, I guess. Uh, but I think what you saw today was, okay, here's what happens when an elite player plays in a system where everything is easy um, and everything is designed for them around them to get them open. Like if you put Adam Thielen in the Justin Jefferson role today, Adam Thielen probably gets one ten um, and at least a score, but Justin Jefferson takes it to the next level. Like you mentioned Cooper cup. To me, it was like such flashbacks to watching the Rams last year in just the different ways that they were using to get Justin Jefferson open. It was so much motioning in and out. Okay, let's get him in the slot here. Like there are plays where he's lining up, and because of the way they've lined him up, he's got Packers off outside linebacker, Preston's smith on him so now he's just now this is an okay and that's an easy eight yard route like uncontested you might as well be running it by yourself in practice uh so many things like that they had him in and out of the backfield um, working out of the backfield giving him a swing pass there uh it it was so cuppy and like uh, from what we saw from the rams like we knew there'd be some carryover right uh the kevin o'connell coming over here it was stunningly so i think in a lot of different ways for me um uh, and it worked. It worked time and again. And frankly, like this looked like a Cooper Cup stat line. So I looked it up from last year. Cooper Cup did not have 184 yards in a single game uh, last season. So that is like taking it a little bit to the next level. Um, I will add like, yes, there were definitely coverage breakdowns. But like that is what happens. Like watching at home, you can see the full replay and the coverage playing out. Like you see where Green Bay's guys lose players but you see why that happens because this guy's going deep and he's taking a defender with him. and oh you should have come back down and and there's confusion across the middle as guys are crossing your faces at two different levels going you know opposite directions like I think it's going to cause a lot of breakdowns I think we're going to see Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen or KJ Osborne in space a lot of times this year much like we saw in Los Angeles the last two seasons so I think you only wanted this offense to look like the Rams offense and in so many ways it did
1: yeah and I think. When you dig more into what Jefferson is capable of, and, and you mentioned that Cooper Cup didn't have a 184 game last year, I, th- I think it's fair to say Justin Jefferson has more in his bag than Cooper Cup does. They're just like that's taking nothing away from Cooper Cup, but I think your ceiling with with what you have in Justin Jefferson is higher. I just think he does certain things a little bit better than Cooper Cup does. And, and one of those things I'm, I'm really talking about and thinking about, um, talking to Kirk Cousins after the game we asked him about this exchange that he had with with jefferson on the sideline where it looked like it was after the 36 yard touchdown in the first half um and and it looked like kirk cousins was giving him a pat on the back we asked like what what were you talking about and he said i was telling him like you're so good at finishing the play like never take that for granted and i think that that's an interesting thing when you compare justin jefferson to different receivers across the league just watch. go back and watch the 36-yard touchdown that Jefferson had. He could have gone out at the three, the four. He makes guys miss, and he stretches, and he dives for the end zone. And I don't have, like, empirical data to to back this up, but, like, how many times have you seen a guy get, get stopped at, like, the two or the three, and the team doesn't get in? And a lot of coaches nowadays just love the three points, and they'll take the three rather than try for the seven. Well, Justin Jefferson kind of made that happen. Um, and that's what Kirk Cousins has said time and time again. This guy finishes plays better than anyone I've seen. Um, you saw that again today. Um, so I think there's little aspects of his game where if, if this game excites you because of what Cooper Cup was able to do last year, uh, it should excite you a ton of what, because of what Justin Jefferson's capable of.
0: Yeah, frankly, like there are so many times where he was just open today. I mean, you saw his excellence in a lot of ways. And finishing that 36-yard touchdown was one of them because it didn't look like a play where he would score. It looked like a play where he was going to get knocked off, you know, at like the four-yard line. Uh, But with Jefferson, I think the play of the game to me, um, and and you can disagree or agree with this, but I thought the play of the game was the one where it is third and seven, Minnesota 41. Minnesota is still up at this point, uh, 20 to seven and cousins drops back and he's got jefferson wide open coming across the middle yet again um and his arm gets hit right as he lets go of the ball um and so it's fluttering it's a duck thrown out there um and at this point like if, if this pass is incomplete Aaron Rodgers gets the ball back green bay still has momentum at this point uh, but what happens is cup i mean jefferson goes up waits on it like sits on it like a like an nba player waiting to grab a rebound and high points it and hauls it in um and it was really just like an, an incredible play. Um, and he pulls it down. It's first down and Minnesota ends up kicking the field goal. Um, just, I thought that that was like kind of the thing that was maybe the dagger, uh, maybe, maybe the dagger in that game. Uh, when, when Jefferson goes up and gets that ball and kind of the heartbreaker for green Bay where they got home, uh, and they got pressure on cousins and they forced a bad throw, but Jefferson's just kind of like, that's the game breaker. He seals it because he goes up in high points of pass, um, that that kept the drive alive and set up the the field goal that put minnesota up 16 and i think kind of put the game on ice so like he showed different ways in which he can win um but there was so much more than jefferson uh kirk cousins was was really good you talked about that a little bit like what maybe like episode one i guess of the cousins o'connell show uh what was your favorite part
1: i think that he just looked more free like and, and he looked more comfortable and i think people freaked out over his ability to like step up into the pocket but I think people <laughs> freaked out about that on Twitter because, like, you didn't see it a lot last year. You didn't see it a lot under Zimmer. And I think maybe some of that comes down to, like, scheme and, like, Kirk knowing if I can buy an extra second here, like, some guys are going to come open. But I think a little bit of it also comes down to confidence. And he just looked so much more comfortable and confident, you know, than I really can remember him looking under Mike, with Mike Zimmer you know around and in charge um you, you, just, you can also notice like like regardless of how polarizing kirk cousins is he's super accurate right like he's that's that's something everyone regardless if you you love kirk cousins or you hate kirk cousins like he's extremely accurate and, and he gives the guys a chance to catch the ball in a position to run and you saw that a lot today too so i think episode one if we're talking. The cousins O'Connell marriage, like it couldn't have gone much better. One thing I am curious to see is like what happens when it goes bad, because like it never really did today. And I think like that's great like, if that's how you want to make first impressions, you know, on a big stage. That that's great, but it's not always going to go great. And 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 how many times in the past have we seen Kirk Cousins, you know, look really good, and then all of a sudden here he's breaking down, and then like the game just looks you know, completely lost. Uh, That's going to happen at some point this year. And how can O'Connell help Kirk Cousins dig out of that? But right now we don't really need to talk about that because he looked great all game. He looked comfortable. He looked confident. And I think just involving these, these star receivers more and maybe relying on the run a little less is going to let Kirk Cousins just be more free this year, you know, in this offense and then potentially beyond what that could mean.
0: Yeah, I was going to jump off that. I mean, Kirk Cousins looked confident. I think a part of it is because Kevin O'Connell looked instilled so much confidence in him, displayed so much confidence in his quarterback. Minnesota just let it rip. Um, Adam Thielen had a quote post game like it was just aggressive, 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 like winning, losing. Like I've never been on a team like that. Uh, Just to to summarize, you know, the approach, and I felt that at so many different points in this game. Where yes, okay, Minnesota gets up, you know, seventeen nothing, twenty to nothing, and. Yet I never really felt like even when the offense got on little lulls, and it was doing so because Green Bay like would make a play, you know, Kenny Clark would bust something up on a third down, and now the drive's over. So there would be a couple drives, but Minnesota never took the foot off the gas. Kevin O'Connell mm-hmm. never did that. Uh, Minnesota picks off Aaron Rodgers. Harrison Smith picks off Aaron Rodgers with like 30 seconds left in the first half. And and Minnesota so many times there, like you're one the half 17 to nothing. Like just take it in three passes and not they didn't go anywhere um and that's fine and some people maybe point out uh, oh kirk cousins didn't take a shot there but kevin o'connell dialed up three passes and said let's let's see what we can get here um and then like that drive i just talked about with jeff jefferson making that huge grab uh to extend where they set up the field goal to go up 23 7 and really kind of bury all green bay momentum that existed like it was pedal to the metal it was throw the ball let's push the ball downfield let's make plays um and there was just no Let's hope this is good enough. It was attack, attack, attack. And that is what everybody has wanted who's watched this team. Um, That's what everybody has thought has been lacking who's watched this team. And sometimes that was attributed to Kirk Cousins. And I think it was also, though, attributed to the offensive coaching staff. And Kevin O'Connell, I think, really kind of set a tone of, like, here's what we're going to do offensively. And I think I I feel like he's going to do that through good or bad, better or worse. Like, this is how we're going to win or lose games. And I think everybody can live with that. Back with Inside Purple and Gold, Jace Frederick, Dami Zutani, uh, back discussing Minnesota's 23-7 dominant victory over Green Bay. A lot of talk about Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins, Kevin O'Connell in the first segment. Let's get into the defense, though, because you can make a pretty strong argument that that was the better unit today, which is stunning. Uh, it's going up against an Aaron Rodgers-led team, Minnesota holds Rodgers to just seven points. Uh, Green Bay looked kind of flummoxed and out of answers all day. Really, Green Bay had to work for everything. Every first down felt like it was pulling teeth. You mentioned how like the offense had things that you maybe been waiting for or not seen before. Like the defense, I think had a dynamic we haven't seen before in a while too.
1: Absolutely, and I think we can credit ourselves, Jace. Me and you look like geniuses coming all out of this it. because what have we said all off season that a, that a dynamic pass rush can make a defense great. It really can. You're going against Aaron Rodgers, and I understand. Look, he lost Devonte Adams, Alan Lazard, the presumed number one receiver wasn't there. His first throw of the game is, is a deep bomb to Christian Watson, and the dude just drops it.
0: Lets that it right, like, off hand. that right there. Uh, when I. When that happened, Minnesota just scored. First play for Green Bay. Christian Watson should have had like a 75-yard touchdown. Um, Patrick Peterson got just fried on a, on a double move from a rookie on his first snap, and Watson drops it. Um, at that point, I was like, okay, here we go. 38-31, somebody's going to win.
1: Right. So you look at all those things, right? Like all of these things that, that Aaron Rodgers was was lacking. And,
0: you know, if you want
1: to make excuses, like you can point to all of these things that I just mentioned but at the end of the day, he's Aaron Rodgers. And you almost expect him to overcome these things. You almost expect him to, to, to be able to kind of surpass like the weaknesses around him. And he wasn't able to do that today, largely because of the pass rush, which is what we talked about a lot in the in the lead up to this season. If Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith are great, the Vikings defense is going to be a heck of a lot better than it was the past couple of years. And and you saw that today. Uh, again, very similar to the offense. You 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 didn't know what to expect from the defense. They didn't play any starters in in the preseason. They didn't. Why would you with with the Neil Hunter and Zedarius Smith's injury history and Harrison Smith and and Eric Kendricks getting up there in age? But like they didn't play anyone in the preseason, so you didn't know what to expect. And I think what you can tell, what you can glean from one game watching this defense, is they're going to come after you. Um, They're going to come after you from from a bunch of different angles in in different ways. Yes, technically, Daniil Hunter and Zadarius Smith are edge rushers. But one of the the Zadarius Smith's one sack of the day came by him bull rushing the guard, just completely just bench pressing that guy back into Aaron Rodgers. And that speaks to what we talked about as well. Like These guys aren't just coming from the left and the right. They're coming from all over the position, you know, all over the field and the formation. And that's hard to figure out. It was hard for Aaron Rodgers to figure out. I think it's going to be hard for other offenses to figure out.
0: And it was huge because so often Minnesota didn't really have to take chances defensively. Um, They were really able to trust the guys up front to get home a lot. Like And and the blitzes that they did bring, um, they were really well-timed. There were very few times where I felt like the secondary was truly tested. Not that they couldn't have passed it against this – green Bay receiving corpse, but I don't feel like they were put in positions where guys were on islands are really tested. Like Minnesota had a lot of like umbrella coverage uh, where there was nothing happening deep. Um, and, and it seemed to kind of frustrate Rogers, but just to like hammer home the impact of a passing rush. You talked about that Darius Smith bull rush sack on that play. It was incredibly obvious in the television broadcast. The Vikings lost Randall Cobb on that play. Um, and he was open across the middle of the field and with almost nobody on that side. And it looked like if he wasn't going to score, um, it was 40 yards out. I think he was going to at least get inside the 10 Um, and probably set up a Green Bay touchdown. He was maybe like Rogers' second or third read, but Rogers saw him and he just had to wait for him to clear Kendricks. And then it was Cobb and nothing. Uh, and it was going to be a massive play, but Rogers didn't have time to pull the trigger. Like Smith got there ahead of time. Like these, these pass rushers are erasers. Like you can screw up other things and it doesn't matter. A play is negated um if pass rushers get home so darius smith and daniel hunter are guys who can do that and they did that today and they frustrated aaron Rodgers. and then we saw the other vets like they made timely plays we've questioned like how much good football does harrison smith have left we think eric kendricks is still a really good player but last year wasn't as great played really well today um kendricks makes the play that really seals it um at the end and the last one rogers goes to tunning in the end zone kendricks breaks it up harrison smith had the pick right before the half like the veterans played well. Um, I think there were a lot of different things to like, and I can't really pick out anybody defensively who played poorly, which is a positive for Minnesota.
1: Yeah, no, that that's a good point because nobody played poorly on the defense, and, and it was funny talking to Zayary Smith after the game. Um, you know, everyone pretty much played well on the defense because he, he he was saying how entering this matchup, they they had a friendly wager you know, amongst the team, who's going to get the most sacks in the game? Well, like four or five guys tied just because like mm-hmm. everywhere, there are four guys had one sack. Nobody had more than the other, right? And Zadarius Smith had one of those sacks. But I think that that little joke, tongue in cheek, you know, response from from Zadarius Smith showcases how good they were today. You know, it wasn't just one guy wrecking the play, you know, wrecking, you know, what, what the Packers were able to do having a, you know, an incredible day, single season, you know, single effort. It was the whole team. It was a collective. It was a culmination. Uh, And and I think that's obviously something you should be excited to see if you're a Vikings fan, because like, as much as green Bay was lacking weapons, I I think like you're not going to play quarterback as good as Aaron Rodgers very much this, 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 this season. And yeah, I'm sure week one, Aaron Rodgers will look a lot different than week 18 Aaron Rodgers, but he's still Aaron Rodgers. And if you were able to frustrate him as a collective, uh, you know, I I think that speaks volumes to what you might be able to do against
0: other quarterbacks who who just aren't as good. I just, I was, what did you think of the run defense? Because I thought in the first half, they did a really nice job um, containing that. uh, Yeah. really looked like a dominant unit. It did seem like Green Bay kind of found something in the running game in the second half. Maybe I think part of that came from the idea that Minnesota knew there was up three scores. Um, And so if you're going to make Green Bay score, it might as well be, you know, ripping off eight 10-yard chunks at max um, and then then deal with the the way the time kind of sucks off the clock because largely Green Bay ran out of time in this game to where a comeback wasn't realistic anyway. Um, Did you see like... Any cause for concern in the way that Green Bay did get up to 6.2 yards of carry? I mean, A.J. Dillon really got going, or do you think that was maybe more of a product of Minnesota getting a little less aggressive defensively, especially in the early down work in the second half?
1: Yeah, I think I I can see where people who would be a little nervous because of how, how porous the run defense was the past couple of seasons would maybe be feeling a little uneasy coming out of this game. But I think you can give maybe the Vikings defense the benefit of the doubt here. That that drive in particular that you were talking about, about when they ripped off, you know, seemingly six, seven, eight, nine yard runs in chunks, you know, in, in repetition. Uh, I think a lot of that was it was open because the Vikings were playing the pass, playing. Okay, let's just not get beat deep. Let's not let Aaron Rodgers c- kind of have one of these patented drives where he hits like 20 three or four 20 yard chunk plays and he's right down the field. I think the Vikings were content to kind of let them kind of run. If you're going to take eight yards to carry, go ahead here. Um, I think that will kind of change by situation down, you know, the rest of this season here. Um, I think there, there were anecdotal spots of, encouragement if you look at the run defense i think about you know the fourth and one play a little bit of that is you know the green bay down at the goal line fourth and one
0: they go shotgun Shotgun. which is which is silly but we see so much of that in football and it makes no sense
1: but i think if you just if you look at that play it was like okay we know they're they're one yard away and they're probably gonna run it um you know, I guess that, that's another argument. Should they have passed it? Like you have Aaron Rodgers. Should you have just kind of let him, you know, take over the, in that moment of the game, fourth and one at the one yard line. But, you know, I digress. If you have a good idea, this team's going to run it. The Vikings were able to kind of fill that hole as Darius Smith made the play coming down from the backside. But if you look at you know the push that, that guys like Harrison Smith and, and, and Dalvin Tomlinson got up front, A.J. Dillon wasn't able to walk into the end zone. He was able to be in a position where Zadarius Smith was able to stand him up and and, and get him from the back because of the push the line got. So while that's only one play of the game, I think if you just look at certain sequences and certain moments from the game when the Vikings needed to get a stop, I think they were able to. So I, I guess you can kind of give them the benefit of the doubt, at least from my opinion of, okay, a lot of that, average yards per rush was buoyed by a possession that the Vikings felt. It felt to me that they were content just letting them take chunks and, and, and bleed the clock dry themselves. So we'll see. Long-winded answer TBD about the defense or about the run defense. We'll see about that. Um, but if, this, if, if the Vikings can get to the passer and, and, and rush the passer the way they were able to today, the run defense might not matter as much.
0: We talked about this, the formula of success for this defense. And I don't walk out of this game thinking, Oh, maybe this is a top five defense in the NFL. It's not, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but the whole idea of like success in the NFL, especially when you have what could be a high powered offense, is Can you make the big plays? Can you make the big stops? Can you show up in the key moments? They did that time and time again today. You talked about the fourth and one at the goal line. Like that was a game changer. No question about it. Uh, the first drive out of the half, like, okay, green Bay's down 17, nothing, but you think, okay, if they score seven there, the t- tone of the game kind of shifts. Well, first and 10 from green Bay from the 44, Jordan Hicks gets home. Del Delvin Tomlinson recovers the fumble. Okay. Minnesota doesn't even have to do anything. And is gifted a field goal and 20 to nothing feels even more like you have a stranglehold on the game. Uh, you know, Green Bay, now it's it's 20 to 7. Like, they come down and they, and they score, and, and A.J. Dillon does punch it into the end zone. Minnesota has to punt. Green Bay gets the ball back. It's like, oh, okay. They're moving the ball down the field. Early fourth quarter, nearing midfield. Um, they're at the 48-yard line, second and seven. Eric Kendricks just comes darting through the line, forces a throwaway. And then the next play, DJ Wanham gets home and just destroys Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Force the punt and I don't then Minnesota has the long drive after that. The game was really never in doubt from there. Like every time there was a big moment where the defense had to step up, they did. Um and and that's all I think you're asking for out of this unit. And that's where pass rush helps you do that, especially in like, okay, it's a passing obvious situation here, which if Minnesota gets a lot of shootouts or just in the games where you know they're gonna score a lot, the other team's gonna be trailing. They're gonna be in a lot of passing situations and if Minnesota can make them pay, like they made Green Bay pay today. That is a heavy formula for success. Not to say teams won't score points, but maybe they won't score on the most critical possessions because every time, like it was a must-have, Minnesota's defense got it today. And I think that's that is the formula for success for this season.
1: One thing I will say, and and not to kind of rain on this, this
0: really sunny day
1: that it was for the Vikings defense.
0: David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins did not play. Yeah, I wanted the, to get uh, into some of this next segment. Yeah, there's, it there, there wasn't and, a perfect yeah. team they played today.
1: Yeah, and and we'll get more into that in segment three. But a lot of the, the pass rush you did get could probably be chalked up to the fact that they were without their bookend tackles, Green Bay was. And then if you kind of do like a little mental exercise out of that, well, what if Bakhtiari was there? What if Jenkins was there? Would Rodgers have had more time to throw? If he had more time to throw, would receivers have come open? Because there were times when he did have th- time to throw, he wasn't uncomfortable in the pocket that he was able to move right down the field. There were times we mentioned the Christian Watson drop that Patrick Peterson just got torched on one in one-on-one coverage. Uh, there was another play, you know, that there. I think Aaron Rodgers had the, had the ball. He, he faked, you know, pump faked, and Romeo Dobbs just got wide open because of that. Like there, there were breakdowns across. The, the field from the defensive perspective, it was by no means a perfect game. And so I, I will be curious to see like when the Vikings aren't getting home with regularity, when, when they do play, you know, a stout, you know, run blocking team or pass blocking team, does the defense look as good? Um, I think that as impressive as they were today, you can almost say there was a little TBD because the team that was across the way was, was by no means full strength.
0: That's week one, right? Two, like like week one, you know you're going to get mistakes on the other end. Um, you're gonna have this is when you're gonna have the most coverage lapses, breakdowns, confusion, things like that. When Minnesota got those breakdowns, it took advantage and and it led to touchdowns, it led to big plays for Justin Jefferson. Um, when Green Bay got the breakdowns, it leads to a, a drop, 75 yards down the field. Uh, it's it's that's the game you know taking advantage of these kinds of things minnesota did that minnesota certainly i thought looked like the more prepared team than green bay this is two years in a row now where i think green bay kind of laid an egg um in its opener Mm -hmm. it certainly recovered last season we'll get into this in this next segment do we think green bay can recover again do we think minnesota is like the divisional favorite now um let's get into all that stuff here right after the break back for the final segment of inside purple and gold jace frederick dame mizutani here breaking down minnesota's Dare I say dominant? Twenty-three-seven uh, win over the oh, Packers at US it. Bank Stadium. Dominant in just about every sense, just every, about every phase of the game. Uh, frankly, special teams maybe kind of a wash, but offensively Minnesota was great. Defensively they were great. Uh, this could be an interesting season, and and follow along with us every step of the way. Here we'll be back on Tuesday, Thursday, um, previewing the Eagles game on Monday night. So follow, subscribe uh, on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, wherever you get those. uh, Follow, subscribe, make sure you're getting every episode as as Dane and I move forward in this season. Uh, Dane, we talked a little bit about this last segment. I want to get into it a little bit more. Green Bay, like the heavy favorite in the division coming into today, did not play well. And frankly, like you mentioned it, Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins, those are the pillars of their offensive line. They were out. Alan Lazard, wide receiver one, out. Uh, the defense was dropping like flies. Like they were losing guys left and right. It's like, oh, this guy's out. He might not return. And this guy's out. He might not return. Like they were missing like three or four rotational players by the end of the game. And then they just didn't play very well anyway. Uh, what did you think of this unit um, as a whole? And and then maybe cap off, what did you think of the offense in the first game, Sans, Devontae Adams?
1: Yeah, I just think as a whole, you look at Green Bay and like they weren't full strength. So you can't, I, I, I don't think we can glean much out of this game from, you know, if you want to be an optimistic Vikings fan and say, okay, the you know, the division runs through the NFC, the NFC North runs through Minnesota. Now I mean, you can think that because of what happened in week one, but the group as a whole was not healthy. It was not ready. And I think that was clear. And I think we've seen with green Bay in the past, they're able to kind of hit another level as, as the season progresses. I will say that the offense without Devante Adams, that would be one thing if you wanted to latch on to from a Minnesota Vikings perspective, that would give you kind of hope that this was something, a sign of things to come. I, I don't, when, when, the, when the Packers got blown out by the saints last year in week one, I think you could look at that team and say, okay, there's a lot of pieces here that they can still be really good. I have a little bit of concern. If, if you're a, looking at the Packers offense because it's pretty clear and and maybe they'll develop this chemistry as, as the season progresses, but Rodgers isn't in love with a lot of these receivers that he has to throw to right now. Um, I think I saw you tweeted Jace, like a lot of his Aaron Rodgers project pro- progressions throughout this game where is Aaron Jones open? No. Is AJ Dillon open? No. Is Aaron Jones open? <laughs> like it's, it's like that was the offense and, There was a key third down. He's throwing to Randall Cobb. Like Randall Cobb is not the same player he was six, seven, eight years. He's ancient. He's ancient. I mean, right? Like so. Yeah, I guess like if you look at this offense, I think they'll be better because they still have who I would argue is maybe the best quarterback in the in the league in the world. But but maybe he's getting to a point where he can't transcend a lack of talent around him. We saw it happen late in Peyton Manning's career. Like for a long time, Peyton Manning was a guy who it didn't matter. He threw back there with him. He was going to make Donald Jones or Austin Colley or whoever it was like a relevant player. And then when he got to Denver and his arm kind of went away, you, you saw kind of the regression of, okay, if he doesn't have elite playmakers around him, Peyton Manning is not what he once was. I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers has fallen off a cliff. I'm just saying you look at, the playmakers they have around him outside of the running back position and it's lacking so i, I think that could be a cause for concern if, if you follow the Packers.
0: Devonte adams is such a great release off the line uh route guy like he can win within like a second um, so that gives you so many easy plays and whether that be 10 yards or is releasing and getting 20 yards down the field, like it's instant, it's easy money. Um, and we saw that he did the exact same thing with Vegas today. Um, it's, it's easy money with Devontae Adams and Green Bay has none of that now. Um and, like guys are going to have to be schemed open. Uh, like you watch and Alan Lazard is, is probably not that guy either, but I do believe now, I didn't know if I believed it coming into the game, but that's their wide receiver one, because Sammy Watkins is just a guy. Um, we've known that for a while now and he's aging and still just a guy, uh, Romeo, Romeo Dobbs. It was like, okay, good preseason. I watched him today. That's just a guy, uh, Kristen Watson. You can see more hope for him as like what he could be as a player, as he, as he, as he progresses and maybe learns to catch the ball. Uh, but like, (laughs) You could see why he was the second round pick, and Romeo Dobbs was the fourth round pick because Christian Watson's a better football player uh, than Romeo Dobbs, and they just don't have anything. Like I wouldn't trust Watson, frankly, either, as like a high volume guy right now. They don't have much. Um, Aaron Rodgers—it literally got to the point where he was just looking to see if AJ Dillon could beat his guy off the checkdown um, for five yards, and then see what AJ Dillon does from there. It was like, where is Aaron Jones? It so often was, especially in the second half, as Minnesota went, you know, with like more of the umbrella coverage look like, okay, Aaron Rodgers takes two seconds, looks down, goes, nope, none of these guys beat anybody. Um, and then instantly looked down to the check down. And that was why he got hammered once because he was looking for AJ Dillon, who had already just been trucked by Zedaria Smith because Zadarius Smith beats his guy and then just runs through AJ Dillon. So AJ Dillon's on the ground. So when Aaron Rodgers looks back for that check down, it's not there. So he just has to eat it and get hammered. Um, I don't know what they have for playmakers. Alan Lazard is going to have to come back and be like, be a really significantly improved player from where he was a year ago. Now coming off injury, uh, uh, Green Bay offensively, it's going to be a heavy run offense. I think it's going to go for a lot of balance, a lot of Aaron Jones, a lot of AJ Dillon. I don't know what they're going to do defensively if they get, you know, most of those guys, I don't think there were too serious of injuries. Obviously that the one air cast, that's not good. Uh, But I think that'll be a really good unit. I don't know if green Bay is going to be some high powered offense all year.
1: No, you know, it, it's just hard to see a world in which they will be because like you said, just like the lack of playmakers around, I think what you can latch onto from a Packers perspective. And you know, if you're doing the exercise of can the Vikings when the division is like that defense is going to be improved. It's going to solid defense as is and, and a couple minor injuries today. Um, so I, it's just weird to think like the Packers might have to rely on their defense more than their offense. It's felt like the opposite for so long. Um, We'll see. Like I, I just, you can't walk away from this game feeling too good. If you're a Packers fan, like because there aren't a lot of quick fixes out there. I think the defense will be better. I think your offensive line will be better because as they get more healthy, that's just going to happen. But the crux of this team for the longest time was, they just win because Aaron Rodgers can kind of get them there and they have just enough playmakers to kind of make it happen as well. Like I'm not sure that's there anymore.
0: I think the offensive line will give Aaron Rodgers more time moving forward, but now you're asking like, okay, now given three and a half seconds, can Robio Dobbs get open? (laughs) You're not given three and a half seconds. Can Sammy Watkins get open? And if you go against like good secondaries, I'm not so sure that'll be the case. Um, But enough about Green Bay. This isn't a Vikings podcast. I do want to get into like, okay, this is one week. And Minnesota was super impressive in so many different ways today. So what does this mean to you? Like, has your picture of the Vikings and how you're viewing this team in this season, did this change um, after just 60 minutes of football? Obviously we don't want to like go way too far one direction or the other, but like now there were so many unknowns and now there are a few more knowns. We have a little bit more evidence and one week does not make an NFL season, but how has your outlook changed on this group? If at all, it
1: hasn't really very much like i still think this is probably 10 wins maybe 11 wins now if you can steal a couple here and there i'm looking at the schedule actually and this week one performances across the league were were pretty random and They're wild inspiring like we we're recording this at 9:30 on a sunday and and dallas is just getting railroaded right now like that in my opinion was a loss on the schedule for the vikings maybe it's a win now uh, you know but like i don't think you can look at this game and say like, this is the, the, they're the favorites in the NFC North They're the favorites in the NFC now, Um, just because it's so fickle week to week. Um, But I think if you hone in on like certain aspects, like, yeah, I think you can feel really good about the offense. Yeah. I think you can feel really good about the defense. Um, Can they stack these performances on top of each other over and over and over again? I'm not sure. We'll see what the consistency. Now, if we're, if we're, recording this in week three and the, and the Vikings are three and zero, and they beat Philly next week and Monday night and they come back and, and they beat the lions. Like, I think like, then you can come away from that and say like, okay, yeah, maybe expectations have changed. Maybe this team can be better than, than what we thought. Um, but I think it's too early to make sweeping declarations of like, how good can this team be? Um, because right now they're just a really good one and one and zero football team. They've got to come back and do it again and again and again. So,
0: okay. You've seen one week of it. Have some fun here. What is your end of season stat line prediction for Justin Jefferson? Uh,
1: 3,074 yards <laughs> or whatever. Whatever 184 times 17 is.
0: Kirk did declare him the MVP pre-season for front runner through week one. So. <laughs> he did. And he might be. He might um, be, yeah.
1: No, I don't. I really don't think 2,000 is like out of the realm of possibility. I think Cooper Cup went for 1947. Yeah, or something. Yeah. yeah. Why not? I mean, he, he, he started off with 184 yards against, I would say, like a really good Packers secondary, but like they didn't shadow him with Jair Alexander, which I thought was kind of weird.
0: You can't. Teams you know, are so hesitant to go with this, to, to go with like their main guy on the inside, and Minnesota moved him inside so much. Like there was almost none like Justin Jefferson for Jair Alexander, which is like good on the Vikings. Why do you want to play that game? Yeah. So, but either way, like he just put up 184 against what we all
1: think will be a very, very good defense.
0: Our producer Spencer noted that is a pace of 3,128 yards. I think for a season, you
1: you should have some fun. So, until further notice, he is on pace for 3,128 yards. And that is my prediction for what he'll be, he'll finish at this season and 34
0: touchdowns. Yes or no? 2,000 yards. Yes. Okay. Yes or yes. no, 20 touchdowns. No,
1: because I, I I, I, would, I, would say I think 2,000 way. is fair. I think touchdowns are random. I yeah. think there there's going to be games where – I mean, you look at today. His, his biggest play of the game was 64-yard bomb where she was running wide open again, which we can continue to talk about why, because the offense is just so good at scheming him open. The 64-yard bomb, his, his biggest play of the game was not a touchdown. And while he – was so by the end of that drive, Justin Jefferson was the one targeted in the end zone and, and he couldn't get his other foot in bounds. I just think touchdowns can be kind of random. I think Adam Thielen's going to get a bunch this year. I think KJ Osborne's going to get a bunch. I think you could even look at a guy like Irv Smith as he continues to be more get more healthy. I just think like there's enough playmakers on this offense or Kevin O'Connell's going to spread it the wealth around enough, you know, down in the end zone that 20 seems like a lot of touchdowns. Cooper Cup had 17 last year, and he had the best season that I can remember. So 20 is a lot, but I think 2,000 yards. And I I do think receiving yards are more emblematic of how good of a season you've had. Just like it shows that you've dominated more consistently. I think that's very possible, and and I would take the over on that
0: it um everything just looks so easy today and i think that's the biggest thing like that's my general takeaway was that justin jefferson did a couple things that looked awesome but so much of it didn't even look special because it was just so easy um and that's exactly what i think i thought of cooper cup a lot last season as well it literally is like and they said it on the broadcast how is he so open it's like that's just making your life easy for your playmakers and hyper targeting your playmakers like this is all anybody's ever wanted he's the best player on the field like aaron Rodgers said like you're the best player in football like throw him the ball, you know, like, and, and that's what everybody's been asking for for forever. And not only did Minnesota hyper target him, but they got him in good situations to do it. Like, that's it. That's how, you. that's how this team is going to roll. Um, that's how, that's how Kirk cousins is going to be his best self, um, is by getting Justin Jefferson the ball. So, okay. Is this an overreaction to say that the North is Minnesota's to win now? Minnesota's to lose better way to put it.
1: No. And and maybe that goes a little bit against of what I just said earlier in the segment about like how you can't take too much stock in, in into week one. But I think you should absolutely feel like it's yours to lose now. Like there's, you look at around, you look at the schedule and then you look at what you just did with to green Bay. And then you look at what green Bay is lacking. Like we just talked about, I think if you're from the Vikings perspective, it, it, it absolutely has to feel like your division to win. And, I guess that would be an overreaction because we're one week into this thing and who knows what it's going to look like in a month from now. But there was so much good and, and it looked so easy. And it was like such a kind of culmination of all these expectations, all this like positive speak that we talked about in the off season. Uh, yeah, I think you should feel like it's, 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 if you're the Vikings, you should feel like it's your division to win at this point conversely, if you lost this game, like we, we talked about it, you can't bank on, on – if you lose today, you can't bank on winning in Lambeau. Then you're 0-2 against the Packers, and essentially you're three games back with a tiebreaker. Now you put a little bit of pressure on them. When when, when the Green Bay Packers, in the middle of the season, host, host the Vikings at Lambeau Field, if they don't win, the division's over. Because I think you look at it, I know the Bears beat the 49ers today. I know Detroit pushed Philly to the brink. I still think these two teams, the Packers and the and the Vikings, are the class of the North. Vikings are already up one zero on on Green Bay, so uh, you know I, I think that that bodes well for the future.
0: True or false? After watching the Rams fall apart and the Vikings play the way they did, Kevin O'Connell was the true mastermind of the Rams' offense. Hundred percent true. You could see
1: it. You could see it on Thursday night. They were lost without him. They were lost without him. The Rams were and.
0: Wow, sure the, sure the sure the Rams made a Super Bowl before Kevin O'Connell even got there, but they didn't win one until the, the maestro no. was there. They didn't win one that that you just said
1: it. I, I for all all we know, Kevin O'Connell is 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 the true quarterbacks whisper. He's the true person that can get the most out of a guy like Matt Stafford and now a guy like Kirk Cousins. I'm joking a little.
0: Yeah, you know his his like emotion in the post game press conference today stood out to me like. I love this team. Like uh, we've got a great team here. Like, and a lot of that is probably a guy who just won his first game as head coach. But I think like that type of message and I know, yeah, obviously he's going to say we have stuff to work on, but like, yeah, you won a big game. Come in and say like, this team's great. I think we can do some great things. Like just keep instilling belief, keep instilling confidence. I think that is the path that these players have wanted for so long. Um, and I think it was great to see that raw emotion and maybe get a little insight to how what he's been saying to his team. Um, and I think we heard some of that post-game. Did that stand out to you at all? I thought that was kind of cool to see.
1: Yeah, and, and it's okay to, like, say those things, right? Like, not everything has to be so terse and, and cards close to the vest. I'm clearly talking about Mike Zimmer without saying his name. But, like, yeah, you just want a big game. Be excited. That's fun. Like, this, you, you have to play a game. And while it means a lot and a lot of things that are meaningful come out of this game that we get to watch and cover on a, on a weekend by weekend basis. Like I think there was a little bit of this is a game and it's really fun. And today was really fun. And I think you saw that with O'Connell. I don't think you saw that very often with Mike Zimmer. And I think that can be exhausting when it's always, you know, the sky is falling and we're never, you know, appreciating the good moments. I don't think that'll be an issue with this group. um, If, if week one and the reaction to this win was any, any example.
0: My biggest, my last parting thought was like, it was just so much more watchable today. And that was not even like, because they won, because they outplayed green Bay, but it was because they kind of went for it. It was because it seemed like they played to win the game. Um, it, it, there was no like hesitancy. There was no let's milk it out. There was, it was like, let's go, let's push the ball down the field. Let's get the ball. Let's put our best players in the positions to make plays. Let's put Zadarius Smith in different positions to attack Aaron Rodgers. Let's, let's get the ball in Justin Jefferson's hands. Let's find a couple different ways to get down and cook the ball. Like, let's be aggressive. Let's push it down the field. Like, that's all anybody wants to see. You just want to go down swinging um, if, if you're going to lose a game. And it's also the best way to win a game. So, like, it, it was infinitely more watchable. I think like watching. Vikings games in the last couple of years was a painful experience in many ways. And even if they go to Philadelphia and they lose 24 21, it looks like the Eagles have a pretty good team this year. If they go down aggressively, I think people can say, well, it was fun. Um, and I think at the end of like last season, it was like, oh my goodness, thankfully I don't have to watch this team for another nine months. Now I think fans are going to say, I can't wait for Monday night. I can't wait for that Eagles game. Um, so for Kevin O'Connell, like, I think that's just a breath of fresh air uh, that players have talked about, and I think fans really got to see it today.
1: I agree with that wholeheartedly.
0: Like, we we, we mentioned the word
1: joy a lot in the lead-up to the season. There wasn't any last year. It was joyless. It was joyless from a team perspective, from a fan perspective. I, I would imagine from a front office perspective. It's it's the opposite now, and I think they're a fun team. I think they're, they're someone... Where you can look at teams across the league and casual fans, and and people are going to want to watch the Vikings, which is not something that we we were saying a lot of in the past couple of years. So, jump on, jump on the bandwagon, I guess. So it 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 should be a a fun season to to
0: cover and follow. I I will say, yeah, we'll continue to do that moving forward. Here we're back on Tuesday as we start to preview that Monday Night showdown between what will be two one and O teams, Philadelphia and Minnesota, under the bright lights of Monday Night Football. Looking forward to that. Lots to talk about here in this week. Kind of chewing back on more from this game. Looking forward to Philadelphia. We'll be back Tuesday, Thursday after the Philly game. It just keeps rolling. The NFL season one week after another now. We are officially back. Minnesota is back. Maybe back in a big way. Um, For Inside Purple and Gold, Jace Frederick, Jamie Zutani. Thanks so much for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.